Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this month's Radio Book Club. My name is Jessie, and I am here with, from Grand County Public Library. I am joined by Sherry Zollinger from Back of Beyond Books. Radio Book Club has been a, a long-standing partnership between the library and the bookstore, and we will soon be joined by Alyssa Sherman, who is also a Grand County Library employee, and she'll be with us uh, here in a few minutes. And um, you can find us here on KZMU 106.7 and 90.1 FM the first Monday of each month, starting at 5 o'clock, just like you have tonight. Hello, everybody. Well, we are looking forward to telling you about some of uh, some of the books that we've been reading this month. And uh, we also thought we would talk about some of our favorite reads of the year. Um, and we've been pulling coworkers and friends to um, to bring you a really fun mix of, of interesting reads that uh, come highly recommended by people who read a lot. Now, we often begin the evening by talking about what's going on at the library and the bookstore. Sherry, do you have any events coming up? Yes. Uh, let's see. We have, well, we actually don't have any events proper we kind of ended our event season uh, and so basically I just want to remind everyone that we've got books for tots going on and that will be going on till the end of the year we have 12 institutions that are participating this year and so that means 12 institutions who came in and chose 30 books a piece so we, that's a mighty fine amount of books for a community to come in and uh, purchase so that all these books go uh, wonderfully back to their institutions to add to their growing libraries uh, some of the of course some of the schools are have really nice libraries but other institutions for example like the Youth Garden Project, they are literally building their library pretty much based on these uh, book donations every year. So uh, come on in. We've got plenty of books still left to um, donate and purchase. So we'd love to see you. That's Books for Tots going on all the way to the end of the year. So can a person walk in and uh, choose an institution to support or can they look at a shelf full of titles and pick, oh, I love this book. Can I buy this for whoever's requested this? How does that work? Yes. Um, when you when you walk in, we have them all spe spe specifically in uh, the same area. So our institutions have come in, they've already picked out the books. Um, and most of them are juvenile, young adults. There's some adult books as well. But you get to kind of go and see, there's bookmarks in each one of them that tell you which uh, school or institution uh, are the ones that that particular organization wanted. And so you can pick them in the way of, oh, I love that title, and that's the one I want to donate. Or you can pick them in the way of, well, I really just want to support this particular institution. And you can buy, you know, you can um, get a few that way. So that's kind of how it works. Oh, that's wonderful. I love uh, I love that you can choose choose by book or by institution. Yes. Wow. Cool. Books for tots. Well, that is a really wonderful way to support 
um, support your lo local organizations. And uh, I love that you guys have been doing that. How many years have you guys been doing Books for Tots? Yeah, I've, I was talking with Andy, actually, who started this, the the ex-owner of Back of Beyond Books. And he was saying around 2003, 2004. So we were basically just saying that this has been a 20-year project. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, the library has a couple of things coming up for um, for the grown-ups programming, that is. Um, in just two days on Wednesday evening, that's December 6th, at 7 o'clock, we are welcoming local author Carol Say, who has just published um, her fourth book in her Merlin in Moab fantasy series. Um, she is a tremendously energetic and um, bright, bright person. And these um, these books are are a ton of fun. Arthurian fantasy is a whole genre. And um, book four has just come out. It is called The Winds of Change. And uh, we're going to be celebrating with Carol and uh, she'll do a reading. She'll have some books for sale and to sign as well. So we uh, we look forward to supporting this local talent this way. Again, that's going to be Wednesday evening. That's December 6th at 7 o'clock. The Winds of Change, a reading and celebration with Carol Say. And then for those of you tired already, perhaps, of thinking about the holidays, I always like to throw some some programming out there that's completely unrelated to, to the upcoming holidays, although I personally enjoy Christmas. <laughs> it can be kind of, it can get kind of ridiculous. So, uh, in that spirit, we have chosen to screen the movie Barbie on Thursday, December fourteenth at seven o'clock. As always, that is free. Um, there's going to be a bunch of trashy snacks. I have some really fun door prizes. Costumes are encouraged. If you uh, want to express yourself <laughs> sartorially, um, please come. I I thought long and hard about what I would, what kind of Barbie would I be. I don't think there's a Barbie for me, um, but maybe maybe the the whole point of the movie is you can be whatever you want to be. So I might just be um, maybe there's a librarian Barbie. That's kind of that's kind of silly, but I think I'll just be like goth, irre irrepressible thoughts of death. <laughs> I think library Barbie would be amazing. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Break all the stereotypes. Um, I love this uh, brief brief description of the movie that says, to live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place, unless you have a full-on existential crisis or you're a Ken. Anyway, um, even if you've already seen this movie, you probably know that it is worth viewing again and again. And with a room full of friends, what could be more fun? Did I mention door prizes? I'm very pleased with some of the little trinkets I have to give away. Might make people answer a trivia question or or award, award good costumes uh, to earn that. But come see the Barbie movie for free Thursday, December 14th, 7 o'clock at your library. And that's it for December programming. Wonderful. Barbie, you know, there's a lot of people in town who didn't get to see it when it came. Yeah. So I've been noticing quite a few people that are excited about that. I think oh, that was a little bit of a stroke of genius. Thank you get other people to see this really in my book pretty darn great film yeah yeah it surpassed it per, per surpassed even my high expectations Greta Gerwig is just an absolute genius and uh pretty much can do no wrong and even though I um I'm not I have never been fond of Barbie's 
the whole the whole Barbie thing growing up. The the movie is it's kind of what the movie's about. Yeah, so she's pretty clever. And uh, I'm, I for, always forget to mention she she wrote it co wrote it with her husband Noah Baumbach, who is another mm-hmm. genius filmmaker. All right. Well, there's some December some December programming to think about. And um, next, usually in the flow of things, we discuss some of the um, some of the books that have popped up on the independent booksellers bestseller list. And as we sometimes like to explain, this is much different from say the New York Times bestseller list. Um, in or you know Amazon bestseller list. These are uh, statistics compiled every week by all of the independently owned bookstores um, of what books are flying off the shelves and what's hot. And um, I usually like to print out the hardback fiction that's and nonfiction bestseller list. Um, although the bookstore I know does a great deal of trade in paperback, um, so sometimes those. Um, those are slightly different. Um, Sherry, do you, are there any on this week's lists that stand out to you in particular? There are sure some, some that we've seen going strong for month after month after month. Yeah, the list hasn't changed a whole lot the last couple of weeks. I think that kind of happens through the holidays. Um, I got this wonderful short little review from one of my coworkers, Matthew, that I wanted to read a little bit. It's on, it's uh, the number one nonfiction bestseller in hardback, The Wager by David Gran. And um, this is what Matthew has to say about The Wager. And it starts out with the wonderful quote of Joan Didion's. Joan Didion says, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. In the 1740s, this was the task of the last survivors of The Wager. So The Wager was a, um, a ship. Facing a hanging, these men had to tell a wild story in order to live. The wager had been sent on a secret mission to capture Spanish treasure. But after a series of storms in Cape Horn, the ship went missing. Then some of its crew washed up off the coast of Brazil. Six months later, three other crew members washed up in Chile. Each group told of cannibalism and mutiny. But all of the survivors were also an inconvenience in the British government's official narrative uh, of its own navy. Um, here, David Grant has the warp, woof, and weave of stories within stories and about our very need for story. It's got the salt of the high sea adventure, the desperate horror of survival, the mystery of unreliable narrators, the tension of a courtroom thriller and the dark heart and of, of an empire writing its story. I thought that was a really great um, review, huh? Indeed, and a perfect quote to begin with. And that's uh, The Wager by David Grant. And that's been going between one, number one and number two, kind of toggling between those two um, for a while. Of course, Rachel Maddow's prequel is pretty high on the list right now. Number four, um, my name is Barbara, uh, is also up there. Number six, she's been getting a lot of media. So uh, that's being reflected in the, the list here. That's uh, Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, memoir, yeah. yeah. Streisand. <laughs> she was trying to say people do that S wrong. I thought that was funny. I saw that on one of the um, programs that she was on. Um, and what else? There's a couple of things I'll be mentioning later. 
um, Rebecca Yarrow's Iron Flame and the Fourth Wing. Have you tried either one of those yet? No, but I sure keep hearing how wonderful they are. Yeah, they, I mean, now number number one is the second in that series, Iron Flame, and number two is the first in that series, or uh, the Fourth Wing. So people are absolutely loving those those two. Yeah, in fact, um, they've made such an unexpected splash that um, as soon as book two, The Iron Flame, mm-hmm. came out, they came out with a new, fancier edition of The Fourth Wing, a special edition. So she actually has two That's true. editions of The Fourth Wing. <laughs> on the list. Hardback. <laughs> on the list. That's crazy. There are only... 15, 16 books on this. Yes. Um, anyway, so that's Rebecca Yara. She's definitely made definitely made quite a splash over the last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the fourth wing has fallen off the top 15 since it was published. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah. What about you? What are, is there anything on there that you've read or... Um, there sure are some that I'm going to get to eventually. Demon Copperhead by Barbara King Solver. I just, I can't believe I haven't gotten to that yet, but I will. I actually have my own copy at home now, so it's going to, it's going to settle into my hands at just the right moment. Um, I also, uh, a co, a coworker at the library recently started reading Daniel Nate, uh, excuse me, Daniel Mason's Northwoods, which was briefly on the bestseller list, then went off, and now he's back on again. So I, um, anyway, she says it is a delightful book, and uh, the the premise is it's basically the character, main character, is a cabin in the woods, mm. and told over hundreds and hundreds of years of the different people who live inhabit it. Um, from people to animals, a couple of beetles, I believe, tell their story. Um, you know, and of course, the many human inhabitants and visitors. And um, it's told by a master storyteller, Daniel Mason. I'm excited about that one. That one had a resurgence because it ended up on the top 10 um, New York Times book review. Best of the year. Best like, 10. Best 10 of, of the, the year. year. No kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that out. one, that one came Wonderful. rushing back. Yeah. And then uh, one of the books that I did plan to review today, and um, it's probably in my top favorite four or five of the year, uh, is James McBride's um, recent book uh, novel called The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. Now, I listened to this on an audiobook, and it and it, it took a little bit of focus at first to to track what's going on because we're telling the story of a, a neighborhood outside Pittsburgh, I believe, called Chicken Hill. And it's a place where um, African-Americans and Jewish immigrants all lived lived and, and toiled together. Um, and this story takes place in the 30s, 1920s, 30s, 40s. It sort of starts in the 70s when these uh, workers unearth a skeleton and they're like, how in the world did the skeleton get in this well? And um, through with the story of this community and the people interacting sometimes uneasily and sometimes with great humanity and kindness. Um, and James McBride, of course, is just a guy, has a wonderful, wonderful voice. Um, much of it centers around a little uh, African-American boy who's orphaned, who comes up to live with his aunt and uncle. 
here in Chicken Hill. He has uh, earlier in life suffered an accident that left him completely deaf and almost completely dumb. Could only make a few, uh, can only make a few noises. And um, he, 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 the uh, the school the school board is after him because he hasn't. He they want to send him to a special school. By that and that that's basically just an insane asylum. He'll just be warehoused and drugged and tied up. Um, because he's considered an idiot just because he's he has these challenges and uh, how the community of all colors steps out to to sort of protect this boy and it gets um, gets quite adventurous anyway it's a lovely story and by the end of it you're just cheering and rooting for these folks Ooh. and um, have really gotten to know some of these char- characters Hasidic Jews um, just just European immigrant Jews and um, black folk many of whom have come up from the south seeking freedom and equality and are a little bit disillusioned to find that racism exists all over mm. and um, all that ties in a bit but it's it's mostly characters mm. that make this book so lovely so that's the heaven and earth grocery store by james mcbride well i don't know what happened to miss Alyssa. i hope everything is okay i'm missing her yeah, missing her extremely intelligent and insightful book reviews. <laughs> um, fortunately, I think you and I have plenty, plenty to chat about. I think we we can probably take care of it. We probably can. <laughs> um, is there anything else on the bestseller list you want to talk about, or should we just jump right into our favorites? Yeah, why don't we jump right in to our kind of uh, when we were talking about what we wanted to do today? We were kind of thinking of the you know, the end of the year's extravaganza. So go ahead, Jesse, and set us up on that. Um, yeah, well, we we um, we all have corralled a few, some with great difficulty sometimes, a few of our favorite books. Um, some of the best ones I've read today were, or this year weren't published this year. They're, they're a few years old. I tried to, um, but I tried to pick some, I tried to pick some that are, um, that are definitely 2023 books, and I'm happy to talk about those. And um, we also polled a few of our colleagues to get some of other some other people's favorite books. Yeah, I had fun today, both through Slack, which is our communication tool within uh, the staff group, and face to face. I decided this morning just to. Um, ask some of our staff members what would be their favorite book of 2023 and it I have to laugh I think maybe this is probably would be true in the library as well (laughs) when you when you ask a bookseller probably a librarian um a their favorite book if you're just gonna say that that's a ridiculous question it's like you mean of yesterday or what was my favorite book of last week what are what are you asking (laughs) right but i asked them their favorite book of 2023 and and this there wasn't a stipulation on whether or not it was written in in 2023 it was just kind of favorite book that you read of 2023 so I ended up kind of polling all day and and it was really kind of fun because so many of them, it's almost like they answered it right away and then then there were two or three others that, that came along um, after that. So I ended up getting two or three of, of uh, a good part of our staff um, 
they're kind of faves of 2023. So we've got a really nice eclectic mix of end of the year um, faves from people in the know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> People who read. <sighs> That's awesome. I am, I'll kick it off with okay. just my favorite books. This is an author, I guess I have to, to say. Um, favorite books of my whole life, <clears throat> I think, are the Patrick, Patrick O'Brien is the name of the author. And he, uh, the series is called the Aubrey Maturin series. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, this is this series is comprised of quite a few books, 20 and a half books, and they're still not enough and they do not lose any any steam or juice as we go. So um, these books technically are fall under the category of nautical fiction. They take place during the Napoleonic Wars in the British Navy, which is not my usual bailiwick not has never really been of much interest to me before. However, um, I do love intrigue and drama, and I do love adventure, and I do love keen wit and humor. I swear, I laugh out loud every few minutes. And uh, while I've read the series before, all the way through, at least twice, I am now listening to them on Libby, and I cannot recommend this highly enough. Um, I've only had to wait in line maybe once or twice for a couple of the books. I'm up to book nine now, I think, uh, nine or ten. Um, so there's not a terribly long wait list. And the reader's name is uh, Patrick Toll, and he does all of the characters so beautifully. We've got French accents, Irish accents, Catalan Spanish accents, as well as all of the different British accents. Um and they're so humorous. You do not have to be a naval fiction that you're a naval historian buff at all to enjoy these. It's the characters and the relationships and the exciting and exciting adventures that they go on. These books are just so lovely. One piece of advice is don't get too hung up on the nautical terminology of the ships and the rigging and the sails. Um, eventually you'll start it really doesn't matter that much to the plot or the the flow of the story. You can get really hung up worrying about what's a cat harping in a pinnace and what's a top gallant breeze and a chip out. <laughs> it's really fun. And there are tons of companion books that will explain this to you. Um, the, some of the, the, anyway, the, what the, what the, all the parts of the ships are called as well as um, the sort of archaic terminology but don't sweat it. If that starts to interest you, eventually go ahead. As long as you can tell larboard from starboard at <laughs> four from aft, you'll do just fine. And um, again, I cannot uh, cannot recommend highly enough listening to these on Libby. And if anyone needs help setting up a Libby account, free, free, free at your library. Um, all of the books are available. And um, I'm a uh, enjoying these immensely and these i'm just reminded again and again what a fantastic writer patrick o'brien is and i will if i ever get stranded on a desert island i hope i can <laughs> grab all of his books first that's all i'm saying so um my favorite reread of 2023 i love that we have news uh from Alyssa. She's actually on her way, so oh, we'll be able to get a few recommendations from, from her when she arrives. So that's good. Shall I do? Yes. Okay. 
So I'm kind of thinking about, there was al already mention of Demon Copper Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. And so I wanted to kind of do a little, uh, I also had mentioned Matthew and his recommendation of The Wager. Well, one of his top three of the year was our is our mutual friend by Charles Dickens, which come to find out is the last one he wrote. And I guess he had gotten in some kind of a train accident. And um, that was kind of, you know, this was sort of, I guess, one of the, well, it was one of the last and maybe one of the harder ones that uh, he wrote. And, it, but it's still 850 pages. <laughs> and so that, of course, makes me think of uh, the demon, demon Copperhead. And I would say that that is at least in my top five of books that I read in 2023, as well as it was written in 2023. And of course, we know that uh, Barbara Kingsolver was at the home of Charles Dickens in England was seized by the spirit of Dickens. <laughs> and of course, um, demon or David Copperfield, of course, this demon Copperhead is a play on David Dickens's David Copperfield. And she wrote the first three chapters sitting right there in Dickens home. And I guess it's an Airbnb, interestingly enough. So if you want to be seized by the ghosts of Dickens, just head over there, which is kind of something I probably would want to do. And <laughs> and so here she got her first three chapters and then really went for it. Um, and we know that King Solver was born and raised in Appalachia, uh, in Kentucky. This book, ha it plays off of the David Copperfield themes, but instead of being kind of in the uh, the bowels of London, London, we're in the bowels of Appalachia, and uh, it it's a book that comes of age in the eighties, nineties, um, and at the base layer of that is the opioid crisis or the coming of the opioid crisis. And here we have a character who's 10, 11, 10, 11, I think when we first meet him, Demon is his name, De Demon Copperhead, actually. And, you know, we, we move with him through the book as he also comes of age and uh, moves his way through uh, the I guess you'd say the throes and perils of uh, that part of the country, but also his own relationship to the opioid crisis. Uh, I think I, I loved what Matthew said when I was talking to him about our mutual friend. Uh, you know, he said, I just was so happy to be in London for a month while I read this book. And I, and I think that's kind of what I'd say about Demon Copperhead is it's one of those that kind of ends up enveloping you and your your the world that she creates is indelible really and so you come out 
um, sort of like, whoa, you know, what was that? I, I was, I was really somewhere for the entire reading of this book. And, and it, and it's like kind of like a tattoo. It just sort of tattoos itself, um, a little bit onto your skin. You sort of leave with a mark. That's kind of how I would say it. Um, and, and the way that she was able to channel, and it really did feel like it was channeling the voice of this 12 year old. Um, and I think I've, compared it to old Holden Cal Caulfield, um, Catcher in the Rye. It's sort of just like this very unique voice that she was able to channel. So so there you have it. One of my top five right there, um, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Wonderful. So I've been on a bit of a kick. You guys have probably heard me talking about some of the uh, female writers who are just really intelligent, really bright, and really weird. <laughs> and I have been enjoying spending time and being so grateful that these women are writing so fearlessly and bravely their, their darkest, the weirdest, darkest corners of their brains and souls. And, and um, so um, some of the some of my recent reads included Check Out 19 by Claire Louise Bennett. I think I mentioned that last spring in uh, March or April. Um, also, another recent one that I uh, talked about last month was called Death Valley by Melissa Broder. Did you finish that one? Hi, Alyssa. Welcome. <laughs> Ryan and Rush here in every legal way that I could, and I made it. I'm glad you followed the law. I made it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that is on the top of my little pile next to my bed. What's coming next? Which Death one? Valley. Death, Death Valley. Valley. I can't wait to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. Um, also, I would throw into this um, category the my recent read, Claire Vey Watkins. I love you, but I've chosen darkness. A really awesome title. <laughs> so good. Um, this book took me on such a crazy journey. This um, young woman is an author. She's written a book that's been received kind of mediocrely. She teaches writing in a college in Ann Arbor, living kind of a bougie life with her husband, a doctor, and her newborn months months old little baby girl. And she she's mentioned that she's had a little postpartum depression, maybe, and she goes off to this book event and just doesn't come back. She is unapologetic. She makes a few excuses once or twice, and then she just goes, does whatever she feels like. She's exploring her own grief. She's exploring um, both of her parents. Her, her father died of cancer when she was pretty young. Her mother died um, kind of tragically more recently. Her best friend, Jesse died and clearly she didn't process his his death properly a few years back and so she's dealing with all this plus she's we're getting um her mother's history her her how her parents met her father a little parenthetical statement this is her care this is super autobiographical so her character in the book is Claire Vey Watkins and for real oh. her dad really was in the Manson family, one of the main people in the Manson family. Yes, he wasn't in the, involved in the murders, and he got out before things went, well, things were pretty sideways, but things before <laughs> things got really hideous. Um, uh, but yeah, he was, he was part of that. I mean, that was a really charismatic 
charismatic cult for a while there. Anyway, so that's for that's Claire. That's my Claire's background for real, and also in the book. So she's dealing with all of this. Plus, she's growing a vagina dentata, and she <laughs> kind of likes it. That's not to say that it is interfering at all with her her sex life, uh, and she's just just completely unapologetically just being her weird self and um, exploring what does this all mean. And all of this is written really beautifully. We jump a little bit between some of the characters, some of the past and the present. She and her sister as children, she and her sisters as, as grown-ups. Some of the friends that she's running around with, and um, there's not a ton of resolution at the end. Well, actually, there is. There is. It's just, it is such a wild book, and I just, um, it's messy. It's like her. She like she's she's having a little bit of a come apart on one hand, but also, what could be more sane than just embracing the weird messiness of life, and then just going with it I guess and um there's a little bit of collateral damage along the way I have to admit and that's that's the one thing in life that we don't that we do want to avoid I think uh, let's see you use a, a term I don't think our fans know I think that I will let you guys google that one I just did get up are you do kidding? you think it's okay for us to say it it's again a, it's a it's a thing it's a psychological I, term it's, it's a, called vagina dentata um, describes a folk tale in which a woman's vagina is said to contain teeth. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Also, Freud talked about it as being one of men's deepest subconscious uh. fears that they're going to be devoured by a woman. Okay. So, so literature that. that's that's based on this mm-hmm. is called vagina dentata. I, I have to say, I didn't totally know that term. I had to look it up as we speak, and I just thought, there's someone out there. Who wants me to recircle back to circle back on that? You're probably We're glad right. that you did. <laughs> she just said, We're what? glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a very interesting element. And she's not like freaked out about it at all. She kind of likes it. And um, she's not feeling mean or wanting to destroy anyone. Mm-hmm. She loves the men in her life very much. It's not that kind of a thing. It's just, probably a physical manifestation of her discomfort with motherhood and trying to like is she really this bougie wife and mother or is she still this rambly wild mushroom eaten <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought but this young person just running around doing whatever I don't know so um so anyway that that um, all of this all of this does resolve in a way in the end of the book and and I just she's such a good writer and so so it's so intelligently well written um and weird like as I'm describing it out loud it just sounds like a complete rambling mess but that's just me <laughs> I'm going to rambling mess. I love you, but I've chosen darkness is Claire Vay Watkins. Uh, 19, uh, 2021. I believe this book came out in 2021. She also made a huge splash with her first uh, book of short stories was called Battleborn. And then after that, Gold Flame Citrus. I haven't read either of those, but they're both at home waiting for me to check out because uh, I'm really, really intrigued by this woman. Super smart really a good writer and just I just love how brave 
fearless and just unapologetic. No explain. Just mm-hmm. just be how you feel, kind of. Anyway. Hi, Alyssa. Hi. It's about some of the books you've been reading. <laughs> We're doing top five of yes. the year, right? Yes, we are. Okay. Um, so interestingly enough, I was partially delayed because I was at the teen center and a teen was telling me about their deep interest in scents and perfume and cologne and how they want to how they want to someday make their own sense and make them available and accessible to everyone. And not all of these really fancy perfumes have to be $500. And we really went, we really went for this (laughs) subject at the teen center today, just talking about all the favorite scents. And one of the books I read this year was Jitterbug Perfume. (laughs) (laughs) And it was all I was thinking about. And I kept looking at this kid thinking, is that a book that I recommend <laughs> to a teenager? <laughs> um, I opted on no, <laughs> if anyone is curious. <laughs> but I was thinking about it the whole time. I was like, someday this kid and I will talk about Jitterbug Perfume. <laughs> it will not be this day, but <laughs> someday. But I, I I, did, and that was uh, Tom Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um really love his use of language and the way that everything he's writing is tongue-in-cheek like every character no matter what they're saying like is poking fun at something Mm -hmm. and i really really enjoy that really despise his portrayal of women Mm -hmm. despise i'm so glad you said that but language like his command of the english language and idioms and metaphor and allegory Mm. Totally here for it, yep. except for when it comes to the female archetypes. I think, mm. okay. But I think it's all, probably also a sign of the times of when he was re- writing. It's, that is not a recent book, Jitterbug Perfume. But um, if you do like kind of tongue-in-cheek cultural explorations sans feminism. <laughs> Pseudo-spiritual kind of, <laughs> yeah. Pseudo spiritual, mm-hmm. little in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 well written. It's really good yeah. in that regard. And, and you, always a rollicking good story. Absolutely, oh, absolutely yeah. good story. Um, and I like reading books that I don't fully like, but I don't dislike either. And we so, don't have to approve of every and every yeah, and it's element, right? right. And so I really did enjoy that. I would, I definitely thought about that book quite a bit mm-hmm. this year even like whether i enjoyed 100 percent of it or not um so that one's out there mm. the other one that i kind of forgot that i had read this year didn't like just didn't occur to me that this was this year still was uh white magic by um oh gosh Alyssa washuda Alyssa with an e oh yeah I remember yeah that. Not not me, A-L-Y, but E-L-I is <laughs> this Alyssa. And she is uh, part of the um, Squamish tribe. And, like, part of her family is, is 
Swamish, so Pacific Northwest in the Washington area, but part of her family is from a tribe that is escaping me right now in the New Jersey area. She has both in her lineage. And so she, this was a, the book White Magic is a memoir. And this was really one of the first memoirs that I read this year that was written in this like really out of order rambling style that you don't really fully see how it's all connected until you get to the end. And I realized this year and with quite a few of the other memoirs that I read, um, I prefer it. I prefer that style of memoir writing, writing. And I know that that has been a consistent complaint <laughs> from other people who have read a lot of memoirs this year. I know there was a complaint about Page Boy by Ellen, uh, Elliot Page. Mm -hmm. And it was a complaint about uh, the Maggie Smith memoir, um, You Could Make This Place Beautiful, because it was kind of jumping back and forth and rambling and it wasn't linear and didn't necessarily take the like the storyline of these people's lives and tie it up it just kind of left you with all of this doesn't that feel more honest in some yes way? because our life like yes you can draw it out on a linear timeline but look at it through different lenses different things stack up uh, with more weight at different times absolutely so and we mature in different places mm -hmm. at different rates but also simultaneously like time is only one of the dimensions that uh yeah our growth exactly and and i i mean i'm sure that everyone to some degree in some situation has experienced that time is not linear like it's just not mm -hmm. there are things that you come back around to and it feels like the first time you experienced X was just yesterday, but it was really 20 years ago, but it's just as fresh. It's still so close. And that's the way that we exist. It's the way that we human. And so, no, it doesn't follow like this prescribed version of what an appropriate memoir is, but I just, I relate to it more this way. So that was probably one of my favorite memoirs and the other two that i mentioned elliot page and page mm -hmm. boy and uh you can maggie. make this place beautiful maggie smith i really enjoyed those too mm -hmm. and there's in like totally different all three of those memoirs yeah. but very similar in style it seems like they end up it's almost like their memoirs are are the um the unfolding of the, you know, some ways the emotional experience. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so they're not taking it through linear time. They're kind of taking it through the way in which, where it hit them, yeah. you know, right mm -hmm. in a middle, right in the middle in a right. way. Yeah. And then they're going back and forth as they're making sense of it, you know, yeah. as, as they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So um, a few minutes ago, I should have mentioned you were listening to KZMU. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're at 106.7 or 90.1. You can also um, listen online at www.kzmu.org. And uh, while I'm on this topic, I'd like to tell you, you can catch this very show uh, later on in the week, usually posted by Friday on KZMU's website under the Public Affairs tab. Um, so if, if anyone wants to re-listen, you can also grab 
Uh, we usually post both the bookstore and the library will uh, create a list of the books that we've mentioned and we keep that updated, usually get that updated within a few days of, um, of today. And we've got a few more minutes. Sherry, what is next on your list of books of the year? Yeah, I ended up pulling a lot of the stuff at Back of Beyond. Mm -hmm. So I might, in a minute, just do a list so that whoever kind of finds this and gets the list, they'll be able to see quite a few books. It's, it's going to be hard for us to actually talk about all of these, but I do definitely want to make sure I talk about, it's the last book I've read, and I think I'll call it the best book I read this year. So that's Ooh. not easy for me to say, I have to say. I am impressed. Yes, that I know. you're even able to make that commitment. I know, and because it is a Tomorrow I may not be able to make it. So tonight. <laughs> it may only be this Dear half, listeners, next half hour. Right now. <laughs> This is Sherry's favorite book <laughs> of the year. Of the year. Yeah. Um, and the book is called Study for Obedience by Sarah Bernstein, who is, uh, she's not very old. She's in her mid-30s, uh, teaches English and writing at a university in Scotland. She's from Montreal. And this is, as far as I can tell, is her second book. And I found that she she ended up being on the she was on the short list for the Booker and was the top three. So she was um, her and I can't remember the other woman's name. They were the uh, runner up, so to speak. And so I just over Thanksgiving, I couldn't find a copy. So I actually ended up listening to it. And it's a novella. It's not very long. And essentially, it's about a, a young woman who moves from the place of her birth to remote northern country of her forebears. So you come to know that she um, is Jewish. Um, to be the housekeeper for her brother, whose wife has recently left him. And she arrives, and what's so, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to really talk about this book, but the first thing you notice is she doesn't name anybody. So you don't know her name, you don't know the brother's name. She goes to stay with her brother and to serve him, literally to uh, make his meals, to take his food to him in bed, to dress him, all of these kind of strange strange things and you're you start going along and you're thinking that this is somewhere maybe in the 19 the 1900s or maybe the late 1800s because her language is very formal beautiful and formal and you're almost thinking okay a little Jane Austen-esque and then suddenly she's throwing in words like Microsoft and podcast and, you know, and then suddenly you're not back there. Oh, wow. You're in the present moment with her using formal language. And at first I thought, oh, my goodness, she hasn't done her homework. You know, just like, okay, I'm so tired of authors. They just, just don't do their homework, right? And then I realized very quickly that she'd so done her homework. <laughs> she was playing with language and the way that you were tossed and again it's sort of what you said Alyssa about time mm -hmm. 
you are in now and you are in then. And she's literally toggling and taking you through. Just when you think you're back in the 1800s, she throws in another word and you're, you're back in present time again. Wow. And she does it so deliberately that it, by the end, you're just, it, it's just so completely brilliant from a language perspective. And then this, this woman ends up honing the tool of obedience. So she rejects my need as a reader to relate to this woman as someone who's going to pull out of this obedient state, because I don't want to be obedient. Most women, I think at this point, don't want to be obedient, um, you know, from a subservient sort of uh, standpoint. But she ends up using obedience as her tool of revolution. So how obedient can you actually be? And then the subtleties and the darkness underneath that, as the brother starts to get sick, as the community um, others her and um, starts to look at her as someone that they, they want to kick out of, of the community, uh, the things that start to go wrong at, that they blame her for, like um, the animal, the, uh, there was a group of cows that went berserk and just these things start to happen and you don't know whether she's actually doing that or not. Um, but you come to, and I'm not going to say exactly how it ends, of course, but um, it's this, at every point, I wanted to sort of relate to the character, but she was pushing me away from doing that mm -hmm. the entire time. Yet at the same time, I was completely enamored by the, this main character. It was almost like a folk tale right. in a way. But um, she's also incredibly, like she's a poet. So the lyrical language is so incredible that I went to see if I could find a poem. And if you'll indulge me, I'm just gonna just, it's a very short poem. But in to me, this poem is the language that sits within this book. The poem is called Perfect by Sarah Bernstein. Perfect, precise line formed on top of precise line. Invisibly perfect. Excel at gluing, at handwriting, at removing splinters, cutting bangs. Perfect. Feeling. Walk on hot sand, hand on stove, fingers in oil. Boiling. Perfect state. Rememorized. Recite, repeat, recycled through aspects one, aspects two, tone, face, develop it, laugh at it, anti, pro, sickness, laugh at effort, designate, habit, walls that are, brain that is, what is shaking so perfectly, so, so perfect. <laughs> Whoa. That's probably going to require a couple of reads. I know, I know. But okay. there's there's kind of like her in a nutshell kind of her language and so if there's any book that I would say if any of that sounds interesting um this is the book to to read. And sorry I took up a bit of time but no, we're good. getting there. I think we're just 
kind of going with what we've been reading lately. And there's been a few of our anime favorites mentioned, but um, I love that we can just we can just go with the flow. I'm going <laughs> to throw out a couple more titles okay. that were just best of the year. Brave the Wild River, the untold story of two women who map the botany of the Grand Canyon by Melissa Seveny. We were lucky enough to have her here this summer. That's an awesome book. Um, really good. I also was really moved by a book called The End of Drum Time by Hannah Pilvanen. Um, it takes place in the Scandinavian tundra in 1851. A Lutheran minister known as Mad Lassie. Um, and one of his daughters runs away and uh, he's been trying to convert the Sami reindeer herders to his faith unsuccessfully. One of his daughters runs away following a young Sami man. And it's a gorgeous story sweeping ambitious and absolutely beautiful the end of drum time by hannah pilvanen e lightning round who else lightning round yeah speaking of people who were here doing author events at some point this year morgan Shogren was here and path of light was a really cool book that tied in the past and the present and um just Navajo thought and conservation and preservation and exploration and all of these things. And she just, she tied all of those things really well together. Uh, Path of Light, Morgan Shogren. And I would be remiss if I did not mention Rabbit Hutch, which I read at the beginning of the year by Tess Gunty. And that was a debut novel by Tess Gunty. And I believe she won the National Book Award might have been for twenty like late twenty twenty two. Maybe mm-hmm. that was the year that she yeah. did it, but I read it this year. Um that book, um just such a weird <laughs> weird story. Um but one that I think just touches on just about anyone's experience like there's something that you can relate to even in the strangeness of the story. I think mm you could find something like oh wow i have felt exactly like that and if i had had no filter and no nothing stopping me i would have acted in that way pretty cool book and i'll just throw out a few uh from the staff megan recommends uh, one of her top three bright dead things by ada limon who is our poet laureate a book of bravado and introspection of feminist swagger and harrowing loss um nat recommends Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which is one I still want to read, and also Ceremony by Leslie Marmon Silco. Um, and then we got a, a, an email from Julia. Oh, yeah, read Julia. Yeah, who yeah. says, uh, basically, Lost Daughter was her, f- uh, my favorite books of 2023 were not written in 2023. Top is The Lost Daughter by Elena Ferrante. And she says this, one of the most perfect books I've ever read. And that's that's a commitment. That's a super commitment. And Julia reads constantly. Yeah, so that's yeah. a really big recommendation. Mm-hmm. Then also I want to say, um, Kali, the guest. <laughs> it's one that you I love read, that Alyssa. book too. And then I the think... Guest. Nina Pro. Uh, Emma Klein. Emma Klein, yeah. Uh, the big same Sw- author of The Girls. Yes. Mm-hmm. Big Swiss by Jen Began, which also that one's amazing. And then also this new one, Open Throat by Henry Hoke. Um, 
a queer and dangerously hungry mountain lion lives in the drought devastated land under the Hollywood sign. So this is an entire, uh, it's, a, it's a queer lion who is observing uh, the Hollywood antics and uh, it's, it sounds How did wonderful. How find this book? That I know! <laughs> and then Heidi says, Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell mm-hmm. and Hibob, Hijab Butch Blues, which I also, also read by Lamia H. I just want to make sure all those titles are in oh, there. Yeah. Um, because these are all amazing books and we weren't able to get to a lot of them as far as explaining them, but at least they're there for you to check out and and look for. Heidi has a great review of Saving yeah. Time on um, the bookstore's Instagram, at least, for yes. sure. I'm probably somewhere on the website, but the Instagram might be a little like quicker to scroll through. Yes. Yeah. Wow, we did it. Um, thank you all very much for tuning in to Radio Book Club. We will see you on the first Monday of January at five o'clock usually the three of us Alyssa from Grand County Public Library's Teen Center Jesse from Grand County Public Library and Sherry from the bookstore thank you everyone so thanks much. everybody happy See new year oh yeah happy new year you can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5pm find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org